With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. As always, you'll get a heavy dose of my opinion. You have an opinion, then I'm going to call 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show, blocktalkradio.com slash pget. Send messages to the show on Twitter. At go for it again. And while you're there, at go for it again. Give me a follow, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by Rider University assistant basketball coach, Marlon Gill. Get his take on what transpired last night in Houston. That was, that, that was just amazing what transpired in Houston. Just absolutely amazing. I just didn't expect that game to end the way it did and to go the way it did. I mean, it went totally opposite of the way you thought that game was going to go. It went in a way that was just mind-boggling. Just first and foremost, surprise number one, or I should say surprise number one, is how, first and foremost, the Rockets lost. And and I'm surprised that they lost because you had no Kawhi Leonard. Also, I'm surprised that you lost because, you know, even without – Kawhi, he thought the Rockets and the and, and the Spurs were fairly close. You didn't think it would, you know, it was an even matchup. It was an even matchup in a lot of ways. And you thought there was no way that San Antonio had a shot to beat the Rockets without Kawhi Leonard. Oh, I forgot. Without Tony Parker as well. So you didn't think it was any possibility without the services of Parker, without the services of Leonard, that San Antonio can go in and beat 
the Houston Rockets. And not only did they go in there and beat the Houston Rockets, they beat down the Houston Rockets. It was an absolute beatdown. Absolute beatdown. From the beginning to the end, it was a beatdown. I don't know how you play on your home court and you lose, you lose by 39 points. Darn near 40 points. In your building, without the team's best two players points-wise per game in these playoffs. Tony Parker, second best in terms of points per game for the Spurs before his injury. And Kawhi Leonard, number one. And both were on the sidelines unavailable. The two guys that put up points for you were not available. And so, even with all that, you managed to score 75 points. Even with all that, all that. And here's the thing. It's one thing to lose. It's another to get blown out. But it's also another thing for your best player, the best player on your team, arguably the best player in this series, James Harden, only put up 11 shots. 11 shots. I mean, have we seen a superstar come up so small in a, in a, in a game, in a playoffs, in an elimination game? I mean... You kind of look back at, you remember Kobe, that game against the Suns. I forgot the year that was, but it was a year. It was a game where Kobe seemed like he refused to shoot. He only passed the ball. And ultimately, that game ended up in a blowout. But that was a weird game. The way Kobe played wasn't Kobe-like. Was not Kobe-like at all. But... What we saw was just amazing. What we witnessed was amazing. And it goes to the greatness of Greg Popovich. Maybe the best coach in the last 30 years. I'm going to say the second best coach in the last 30 years behind Phil Jackson. But what, I mean, he had those guys ready. He had those guys ready. And they were ready, man. They were big time ready. He had them ready. And they came out and they had a big time performance. You know, everybody stepped up. And and I'm just, and I'm going back and I'm kind of looking at, you know, some other elimination type games, other, you know, game sevens, even though this wasn't a game seven. But other elimination-type games where, where, where a superstar may have came up small. But I, I, look at, I look at, you know, Kobe Bryant, game seven against the, 
the Boston Celtics, you know, the game the Lakers will win. But Kobe didn't have a great game. Six for 24 from the field. Zero from six, zero for six, excuse me, from downtown. And I look at that performance and I'm saying, yes, Kobe didn't play well. Yes, his shooting percentage was awful. Yes, yes, yes. Ultimately, the Lakers won. But I look at that number, and that number is the 24. 24 field goal attempts. He went down shooting. He went down shooting. Even though he lost, he went down shooting. And you can respect that. A guy like Russell Westbrook, going to shoot 25, 30 times. Guess what? If he makes them, great. If he doesn't, great. But he's going to shoot it. Allen Iverson, he's going to shoot it 25 to 30 times. May not make them all. But if he's going to go down, he's going to go down shoot. Kobe Bryant may not make them all. But if he goes down, he's going to go down shooting. Six for 24 in game seven against the Boston Celtics. He wasn't good back in 2010 in that particular game, but he was good enough. And Metal World Peace was good enough, and Gasol was good enough, and the other guys were good enough for the Lakers to win that game seven. But James Harden, this performance, man, and I look at the game before, he shot the ball 24 times, and, you know, he was criticized by some. I, I was, you know, watching TNT after the game, and they were critical of him in terms of him maybe shooting too much in that overtime period and, and, you know, in that fourth quarter into overtime, you know, kind of him holding the ball and, you know, going one-on-one. And and they were saying, you know, we didn't see that James Harden throughout the course of this season. So maybe he was a little gun-shy because of that. But my goodness, 211? 2 of 11. I mean, 2 for 11 from the field. I mean, come on, you're a scorer. You're a prolific scorer. You know, you you go down shooting. You shot 28 times in game number three. You know, you shot 24 times in game five. I mean, it's just mind-boggling what we saw. Stephen A. Smith said, you know, he just should be, what, tested for, like he was on drugs or something like that? I mean, you know, I don't know. I'm not going that far. You know, but he, he obviously... I don't know what he was thinking. But we're going to ask to bring in a guy now to maybe figure out what James Harden was thinking about last night in that game number six. Let's bring him in now, Ryder University assistant basketball coach, Marlon Gill. Marlon. Oh, what's going on, buddy? How are you? I'm doing good, man. I, I can't complain. You know, I'm scratching my head like everybody else, man. Exactly. I mean, you know, before I brought you on, I just, I'm just thinking about it. A, a guy like a Russell Westbrook, he's going to go down shooting. A guy like Allen Iverson, he's going to go down shooting. A guy like Kobe Bryant. I mean, I, I looked at Game Seven against the Boston Celtics in 2010, six for 24. Didn't play well, but he went down shooting. James Harden, just a, a weird performance last night. Your thoughts? Uh, well, you know what? I, I think it started uh, early on in the game, and there was a uh, a play where he's on the right wing area, 
that he has a wide open three. Yes. And Eric Eric Gordon's in the corner, and he ends up passing the shot off to Eric Gordon, and it goes out of bounds. And I, I'm watching the game. I, I was sitting down at a uh, at a little bar just w- watching the game, and that was a little puzzling to me because here's a guy that led the league in scoring, puts up a tremendous amount of points on any given night. He couldn't be any more wide open than that all year. And he still looked to pass the ball up. And from that point on, I just said, like, all right, something, something's not clicking tonight, whether it's something he's got going on, we'll, we'll never know. Uh, you know, but I, I look at the text that I sent you last night, and, you know, yeah, it, it, it was a joke that, that I was sending you that text message, but, you know, listening to some other people talk about it today, you know, the, the point-shaving thing comes up. And, and not to say that that was the case, but, my goodness, man, could could it have been any more apparent that something was going on? Like, there's no way that my season's on the line and I'm putting up 11 shots. I, I might put up 111 shots that and, and that's you that's, know because <laughs> and that's my point. And, and like, I, it's one thing to go 0 for 25 from the field, but you got it up 25 times. And, you know, you're the best player. You're a prolific scorer. You should put it up 25 times. Is it almost similar to, like, well, not similar from the standpoint, but we look at John Starks. What was that? What was that? Game seven where he kept missing all those shots. I'm not saying Starks is at the level of James Harden, but he was the number two guy for the New York Knicks during that particular season. So, and he went down shooting. We're talking about John Starks. You're gonna bring that one up and do that to me, huh? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you know what? I- I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna say Dave's performance was worse because John never saw a shot he didn't like, and he was gonna put him up. And, and you knew uh, Patrick was going to get mad, Oak was going to get mad, but John didn't care. He thought he should have been the number one guy. And there were some nights during that 1993-94 season, he should have been the number one guy. So, it, you know, I, I don't know what was going on with Harden last night. Um, clearly, it wasn't nothing too serious because if you look on social media today, after the game he was in a strip club uh, hanging out. So, you know, clearly the game wasn't that important to him. So, like I said, he's got to figure it out. You know, when you're a player in his position with his uh, status that he has, you can't go out like that because now, you know, you're... uh, your colleagues are going to look at you differently. And not to say that they would look at him in the light of a Kevin Durant leaving OKC to go to Golden State, but 
now, you know, they're going to say, okay, maybe James is that top five guy that we thought, and now we can move him into that second-tier, third-tier superstar guy. Uh, because I, I can assure you that guys are talking and wondering, like, hey, what the heck is going on with him? Is he as good as we thought he was? And I just – I look at his season. Obviously, the season was absolutely tremendous. 29 points per game, 11 assists, 8 rebounds per game. I mean, just an absolute tremendous performance. Obviously, no one expected Houston to have the season that they did, but they did. They had a big-time year, and James Harden is the biggest reason why. But let me ask you this. Does this performance, and I know it's only one game, but for you, does this performance take the luster off James Harden's great season? No, I I, I don't think so. Uh, you know, I, I think it, it was an unfortunate performance for him, but I don't think it takes away anything. I mean, here's a guy that, you know, if Russell Westbrook didn't average a triple-double on the year, James Harden would be the guy that we're talking about. And he still is the guy we're talking about with Harden, uh, excuse me, with Westbrook for MVP considerations. I mean, 29 points a game. It's tough. 11, re- 11 assists a game is tough. And then to add on eight rebounds on top of that, that's no easy feat. So I don't think it takes anything away. I just think it's a uh, – it's, it's kind of like what we had with the Jay-Z R. Kelly first album. Just a blowing opportunity to see greatness continue. Uh, you, you know, and I think that that's what – we're going to talk about with his game six performance. Just a blowing opportunity that everybody was looking forward to seeing him do something to get his team to a game seven. And if you're that guy, you got to you got to perform it in those clutch situations. And he just didn't do that. Yeah, and and it's it's just like I said, it's it's one thing to go for twenty four like Kobe Bryant in game seven against the Lakers. Against the Celtics, excuse me. But it's just another to go two four eleven. It's almost like you didn't really come to play, and and it's just it's just mind boggling. I, I I don't get it. I don't understand it. But it is what it is. He said they didn't have any rhythm, but I mean, you're James Harden. You make rhythm somehow, some way. You can put the ball in the basket, and you usually can get twenty points in your sleep. So who knows? We're talking to Rider University assistant basketball coach. So, we look at Houston side, but we got to look at San Antonio, and more specifically, Greg Popovich. I mean, the performance that they put on last night without Tony Parker, without Kawhi Leonard, and before Parker went down, he was their second leading scorer in the playoffs, and you look at um, Kawhi Leonard, obviously, he was their number one leading scorer in the playoffs. So, your top two scorers or on the bench in the playoffs, and you still find a way to do it. To me, Greg Popovich is the second-best coach in the last 30 years in the NBA behind Phil Jackson. But that performance last night, I think, tells you all you need to know about Greg Popovich. Your thoughts? I'll tell you what. I sent the text. I'm pretty good friends with uh, 
the Spurs assistant GM, Brian Wright, and I sent him a text just saying, hey, man, whatever it is that you guys have in that culture, can you bottle that up in a Ziploc bag and send that to me so I can sprinkle it on my guys? The, the way they get guys to go with the mantra of next man up is just unbelievable to me. You know, like, like you said, they lose uh, Tony Parker early on. They lose Kawhi Leonard in game five. And then LaMarcus Aldridge finally comes up comes out to play, which I, I was very critical of him last week on, on your show, and he pretty much told me to shut up. So, you know, he, he was good. Simmons did his part. Uh, Deontay Murray, who I think is going to be a star in this league, did his part. You know, just the way that they go about their business of next guy up, and, and that's not easy, especially in today's game where everybody feels that the game owes them something. Well, here's a team that goes with the opposite. The game doesn't owe you anything. You owe us. And they have five guys on the floor every night that have that same mentality that, hey, we owe the game something, and we have to give the game everything that we have. And it's just a pleasure to watch those guys play. Uh, You know, you can say what you want about them, that, you know, that they might be a little boring and things of that nature, but – Guess what? At the end of the day, they win games and, and they make it a deep playoff run every year. For sure. And, and it just it's a testament to Greg Popovich. It's a testament to the Spurs and how everybody, like you said, next man up and, and everybody was ready and everybody was prepared. Role players usually don't travel, but their role players traveled last night. They travel well, and ultimately, they were able to not only beat the Rockets, but they were able to beat down the Rockets. And it was it was just a dominating performance, and it was a performance that was just, like you said, it was just amazing, absolutely amazing. So uh, we talked about it last week, but is your mind changed in terms of the Spurs' chances of beating Golden State? No chance. Hasn't hasn't changed my mind one bit. If if anything, it'll get the Warriors ready for the finals because maybe they'll lose a game or two in this series. I just think at the end of the day, you know, the way Golden State's playing is unbelievable. I mean, and this is no knock on the Spurs, but you look at a team like the Utah Jazz, game four, they gave Golden State their best punch. They were up uh, seven, eight, nine points. I think they might have even got the double figures at some point. But then you look at the score at, at halftime, Golden State still up by five or six. And I, I, I just think it, it's just too much. Like, how do you key in? It's easy to key in on one guy, two guys, maybe even three guys. It's a lot tougher to key in on four guys. And Golden State has four guys that one guy can beat you by himself on any night, whether it's Steph with, with his ball handling and his shooting, obviously Clay with his shooting, uh, Durant with the way he can score the ball. But then you got Draymond who can go get a triple-double in, in his sleep if he wanted to with those other three guys. So – 
it, it, it's going to be a tough, tough climb for the Spurs. I, I think the Warriors will win it in six. Uh, and, and like I said, the, the Warriors, in, in my mind, they're just, you know, practicing to get to the finals. <laughs> it, it's it, yeah, they, they look they look that good. They really do, and they're playing some big time basketball at this point. And at the end of the day, I mean, you don't it's it's. You don't necessarily like to go against a Greg Popovich coach team, but at the end of the day, talent is talent. And the Golden State Warriors are right now on another level in terms of talent. I want to switch series now, and I want to go to the series with the Wizards and the Celtics. I mean, we look at that particular series, and we look at game six, and the Wizards came uh, – game five, excuse me. Wizards came up small disappointedly small. Your thoughts on what you saw? Uh, it, it, it was disappointing uh, knowing that they had the momentum from game three and game four. I, I mean, the run that they went on to start the second half of game four, I, I felt bad for the Celtics because uh, I've been the recipient of one of those kind of runs and, and I know how that feels because you start looking up at the clock and seeing how much time is left in the game because you know you can't do anything to stop this. So, you know, looking at the way that they played in game four, I, I thought I would see something different from them in, in game five. And, you know, it, disappointing is probably the best word to, to describe Washington's effort the other night. And But I think that that'll change – for game six. Uh, I, I'll tell you what, I'm them. I'll pull out those black suits tonight for sure. <laughs> and I think ultimately it does go back to Boston. And I mean, and, and I hope, hopefully we can get a good game seven. I mean, we, we haven't had necessarily a lot of drama in these playoffs. And hopefully we can get some drama with this particular series and, you know, ultimately get some drama moving forward in these playoffs. We'll see. We're talking to Rodney University assistant basketball coach Marlon Gill. Marlon, let me ask you before we get out of here. We saw LeVar Ball talking about, you know, Kobe Bryant. We, we, we know Kobe's out here giving advice to guys, gave some advice to Isaiah Thomas. You know, they went over some film together and things of that nature. But we look at LeVar Ball and LeVar Ball feels like, you know what? Lonzo don't need Lonzo, excuse me, don't need no advice from Kobe Bryant. To me, that's just crazy because when greatness talks, you listen. You may not agree with it, you may not understand it, but when greatness talks, you listen. Your thoughts on it. I'll say this. It, there's a line, and, and I actually just saw it the other day, and it's fitting for this particular going back and forth. And I wouldn't even call it a going back and forth, but uh, I actually told it to one of my players, never miss a good opportunity to shut up. Right. And I, I think that's something that, Mr. Ball needs to do, but at the same time, 
this is how he's made his notoriety. So he knows what works. So we can say what we want of, you know, he's this, he's that. Well, it's causing us to talk about him even more. And nowadays, in today's world, it's all about self-marketing, self-promotion, and things of that nature. So it's just another smart business move on his part. I compare it to when 50 Cent first came on the scene in the rap game. He talked about everybody and forced people to respond to the point where we were waiting to see what he was going to come back and say. And, and, you know, the the balls, they're no different, you know. So kudos to them for understanding how to work this thing. You know, we're the ones that aren't too bright that keep entertaining them. (laughs) That is true. I mean, because everywhere you look, I mean, every time he says something, we react, we talk about it. I mean, he moved the needle. He most definitely moved the needle, and people care what he says. And, and you know, thinking about that, I almost believe that's why he, you know, put that price tag out there, $495. I think it was all to have all of us talk about his shoe. Because I don't think we would talk about the shoe the way we're talking about the shoe if the shoe was like $150. 495 makes us talk about it. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. I mean, like I said, I, I'm not getting a pair, but who, who are we to say what he can set his price to be? But it's good promotion. People are talking about it. Uh, and, and he's going to sell some shoes. I, I know my kids can't come with a pair of ZO2s, but, you know, if some kids got them on, hey, power to them. <laughs> I will say this. If Lonzo has the goods and has the goods right away, people are going to be going and buying those shoes. But we'll see you know, I won't. what happens. I won't either. I won't either. And I'll, I'll say this before we get out of here. There's only four conditions in which anybody should buy $500 shoes. You got to own a house. You got to own a functional car. Your bank account needs to be going and flowing. And your 401k needs to be off the hook. If those things ain't right, you don't need $500. And that's pretty simple. I, I'm with you. And you know what we should do? We should put the ZO2s in the same category as the Gordon Gartrell shirt. Let's do that. <laughs> I'll do that. I'll do that. Marlon, appreciate the time, man. Uh, always a pleasure, man. Thanks again for having me. Take care. Bye bye. Marlon Gill. Assistant basketball coach, Friday University. Pleasure talking to him. <laughs> I mean, again, you, you shouldn't be buying those shoes if you can't afford them. You know, you can't, you, you shouldn't be buying those O2s if, if your bank account ain't flowing. You shouldn't be buying those O2s if. Your 401k ain't flowing. You shouldn't be buying those O2s if your car ain't functional. You shouldn't be buying those O2s 
if you're still living in your mama backyard or, or your mama uh, basement. You should not be buying Zotus. And that goes for Gucci, Prada, Louis Vuitton bags. You shouldn't be buying any of those things unless you're flowing financially. That's it. But anyway, back to Lonzo and LeVar Ball. LeVar Ball out and about talking crazy still. And I get it. It's good for business. I get it. People come back for more. I get it. When he talks, you listen. I listen. We listen. We all listen. Every time he talks, we listen. We we listen. Talking about what? Michael Jordan couldn't charge 495 for shoes because he ain't Lonzo Ball. Come on. Come on. Of course he ain't Lonzo Ball. He's Michael Jordan. But again, in order for Michael Jordan, in order for Michael Jordan to be able to sell his shoes at the price that he's showing his shoes, in order for Michael Jordan um, to sell his shoes and, and for people to buy the shoes, Michael Jordan had to do some things on that basketball court. Lonzo Ball has not done anything on the basketball court. Not to say he won't, not to say he can't, but he hasn't. And for him, if he wants to be that guy, sell those shoes, sell that apparel, if he wants to be that guy, he's got to most definitely, most definitely ball out. He don't ball out. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a mess. And, and I, on some level, I know he's, you know, to whom much is given, much is expected. But on some level, you almost kind of feel a little bad, or you're slightly concerned, from my standpoint, for Lonzo Ball, from the standpoint that he can go out here and have an okay rookie season but people are going to come down hard on him because of the expectation, not from the people, but from his dad. But I think the expectation is best on, based on, excuse me, selling shoes, selling apparel, and growing the Lonzo Ball brand. That's what that's about. But it's impossible for us to think it's impossible for us to think that Lonzo Ball can put up, well, he could theoretically win Rookie of the Year, depending on where he lands, depending, you know, and, and also depending on how well he adjusts to the NBA game. The kid has talent. He doesn't stink. You know, he doesn't stink. You know, I'm not saying he's going to, you know, revolutionize the game and you know, I'm not saying he's going to be better than Jason Kidd. I'm not saying he's going to be better than Michael Jordan. I'm not saying he's going to be better than Steph Curry. I'm not going. To, I'm not saying he's going to be the best point guard in this league. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is this. What I am saying is this. He might just come out have a so-so rookie year. And in having that 
so-so rookie year, he might not be able to push and sell enough shoes. And then you wonder, is this a ploy? Is, is LeVar going to start us out at 495 and then once things change or, or, or you know, Ultimately, does he come out with a, a, a you know, a, a Zoe 2, but maybe, well, maybe a different type of sneaker under the big baller brand line, a cheaper sneaker. So, like, you know, obviously you got various sneaker, you know, you got Nikes and you got various forms of Nikes. You got some high, you got some low. So, ultimately, maybe this is the high-end shoe and then he's going to come out ultimately with a lower-end shoe. Maybe that's the ball plan. Maybe that is ultimately his plan. And that plan wouldn't surprise me. And here's the thing. I said it before and I'll say it again. I hope he sells a whole bunch of shoes. And I hope those shoes just, I just hope they jump off. They just jump off and and, and, and just do some amazing things. I, I, I hope that that happens for him. But I am concerned. I, I, I'm very concerned for Lonzo Ball because uh, the pressure is going to be tough. The pressure is going to be heavy. And hopefully the pressure won't get to him and he won't be overwhelmed. We'll see what happens. But let's look at tonight's game. Game six, Wizards. Actually, before we do that, I want to go back to James Harden for a second because I'm just looking. And again, I'm just thinking about horrible performances by superstars in these type of moments. Like, I, I, I guess the only game that I could reasonably compare this to is when Kobe Bryant stopped shooting the ball against the Phoenix Suns. I believe that was that was a game seven in Phoenix. Was that 2006? It might have been 2006. I don't remember. And my computer's acting up. But I remember that game with Kobe Bryant just wouldn't shoot the ball. It kind of, kind of like refused to shoot the ball. And it was almost like he was trying to make a statement of some sort. And whatever that statement was, it was odd. It was an odd statement. An odd statement. So I, I'm not saying James Harden was making a statement, but I just don't know what he was thinking. I mean, he didn't shoot the basketball. It's like he boycotted shooting. It's like I don't I don't know what he was doing. I don't know what he was doing. I don't know what he was thinking. I don't know what was going through his head. But whatever was what he whatever he was thinking, whatever was going through his head, it's weird. It was weird. It was weird. Because he for whatever reason had no intentions of shooting the basketball. He, for whatever reason, 
was he choked? I mean, was was he? He was just reluctant to shoot. And shooters shoot. They shoot. James Harden to score, a prolific score. They're supposed to shoot the ball. And James Harden didn't do it. Refuse for whatever reason. And I don't. He talked about rhythm. And he, he talked about rhythm. And he didn't have any rhythm on that particular night. They didn't have any rhythm. But you got to put it up, man. You got to put it up. And what I mean put it up, you got to put it up 25 to 30 times. Give your team the best opportunity to win. Give your team the best chance to win. And he didn't do that last night. And and that was the strange part. That was the strange part. Really was. And I, I, I'm, and again, I went back, Kobe Bryant. The day that Kobe Bryant, game seven against the Phoenix Suns, in that game, Kobe Bryant didn't shoot the what? I don't think he shot the ball in the first half. I don't think he shot the ball in the first half. And it was just weird. It was a weird, weird display that we saw that night. It, it was just strange. Kobe Bryant's a gunslinger. Kobe Bryant, you know, and at the time, the Lakers had no shot to win without Kobe Bryant putting the shot, putting shots up. But they lost in that game 121-90, to got blown out the same way the Rockets got blown out. And in that game, Kobe only shot the ball 16 times. Only shot the ball 16 times in that game. I mean, it was just a mind-boggling performance by Kobe Bryant that night. And this was a mind-boggling performance by James Harden. It made no sense. It made no sense that he would not put shots up. And that was weird. That was absolutely weird. So, you know, I, I it's hard when people say, when people say, well, you know, let's James, let's drug test James Harden, or when people say, is he throwing a game? And and when these when people say those things, obviously, I think it's, it sounds a little ridiculous, but I think they're saying it based off of how shocked they were on the way he how he played that game, and it was shocking. But let's go on. Boxing. Last Saturday night, we saw a performance by Canelo Alvarez, which was good. I mean, it was was a solid performance. He did what he needed to do, and he dominated Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Fight wasn't close. It was a shutout from the beginning to the end. It was a shutout from the first to the twelfth. I mean, Canelo... It was almost like a sparring session because Canelo didn't even sit down 
in between rounds. He stood up, chilling, laughing, having a good old time. Because he knew that Chavez Jr. had no shot to beat him. He knew that this was an easy night's work. He knew at the end of the day was waiting for him. And what was waiting for him was Triple G. Triple G was waiting for him. And now Triple G will be his opponent September 16th. And at this point, they don't have a location. But I look at that particular fight, and, you know, obviously it's going to be a good fight. But obviously from Golden Boy promotion standpoint, they did this fight at the perfect time economically. And I'll tell you why. Danny Jacobs fought Triple G tooth and nail. They fought him to the end. Some people believe Jacobs beat Triple G. So that was a big-time fight. And that was a close fight, a very close fight. And a fight that could have went either way. Ultimately, it went the way of Triple G. But that, even in that victory for Triple G, he, he almost won again. And, and I'll tell you why, because a lot of people were afraid, are afraid to get in the ring with Triple G. Danny Jacobs and that performance made Triple G mortal. It made people believe that Triple G was beatable. It made people believe that, hey, I could be Triple G. This dude is suspect. Or, or I could be Triple G. There's some slippage here. And so it's done. The fight is done at the perfect time. Canelo looked great on Saturday night, even though it was against Chavez Jr who didn't really come to fight, his victory was making weight. That was his victory. He, he got that victory on Friday night, and that's all he wanted, pretty much. But hey, hey, with that being said, with that being said, you got to look at the timing of this. Again, Canelo looks great. Triple G looks suspect, looks beatable. He didn't look suspect. I think beatable is a better word. And now the public says, well, maybe that Triple G can be beat. And maybe Canelo is the guy to do it, especially off the performance that he had. Again, you look at that performance, you look at that performance, and the performance, while, you know, you got to look at the competition. I mean, the performance was great. It's, you know, he, he did what he needed to do. He didn't knock uh, Chavez Jr. out. Chavez Jr. does have a big-time chin, but he didn't knock him out, didn't knock him down. He did what he needed to do. And he looked great doing it. But, again, it's like the Cavaliers playing the Sixers and beating them by 30. You know, you can't get too hype off of that particular performance. Because at the end of the day, it was Chavez Jr. and Chavez Jr.'s motivation was to make weight. That was it. He had no. He didn't pull the trigger. He either didn't or couldn't pull. The, obviously, he didn't, but he couldn't pull the trigger or didn't want to pull the trigger. But it's perfect timing. I think that's going to do a million plus. I really do. And there, you know, Oscar De La Hoya 
is out here saying that maybe this particular fight, Canelo and Chavez Jr. hit a million pay-per-view buys. And that's that's surprising. That's surprising. But I will say this. Mexicans really love the sport of boxing. And you had two Mexican, well, you had the son of a Mexican icon, a Mexican legend. And then, you know, Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. And then you obviously have Canelo Alvarez, who's becoming a Mexican legend. So you had the son of a Mexican legend, and you had a, a guy in Canelo Alvarez, cash cow in the sport of boxing, and is turning into a Mexican legend himself. Cinco de Mayo weekend, perfect storm. Maybe, I mean, obviously it was a perfect storm if they get a million pay-per-view bots. Obviously. It's a perfect storm if they get the million pay-per-view bots. But even if they do, even, you know, better than that, you know, it's still, I mean, it's still good. It's definitely still good if they do a little less than that, eight, seven hundred thousand. That's still good for business. Oh, kudos, man, to 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 Golden Boy Promotions, K two Promotions, you know, and, and and making this fight at the right time. Timing is everything in sports and life, and when you're trying to sell things, timing is everything. So. We have that. Now let's go to the Wizards and the uh, the Wizards and the uh, Boston Celtics game six tonight. First and foremost, the Wizards had a horrible game five. You know, you thought they were going to build upon what they did in game four. In a game five, they just came out and laid an egg, a big-time egg. They didn't show up. And their role players didn't travel. And, and it's just, you know, obviously it was a disappointing performance by the Wizards. But fortunately for the Wizards, fortunately for the Wizards, you know, they have an opportunity. They have an opportunity now to win game six. And then ultimately after winning game six, they can take it back to Boston and win game seven. And then in a game seven, anything is possible. Anything can happen. Anything can go down. But I look at this Wizard basketball team and, you know, obviously, Wall and Beal have to be big time. And, of course, your role players have to travel. Well, they're, well not at home. So they should be okay at home. Role players excel at home. They excel at home. They really do. But those role players against the Celtics on Wednesday night, they didn't travel. They didn't travel. Will, I mean, Wall and Beal, 21 and 16, respectively, Wall 21, Bill 16. Everybody else, Otto Porter Jr., okay, 13. Gortat, not that great. Marquise Morris, you know, Morris, one of the Morris boys, whether it's Marquise or, or the other one, uh, you know, but Marquise, he didn't play that well, you know. So, you know, they, their role players didn't travel. But fortunately for the role players, they have an opportunity to go home, get right, try to get a game seven, and then head on back to 
Boston. You know, we'll see what happens. See what happens. I mean, anything is possible in a game seven. Anything can happen in a game seven. And it's the one and done. It's finality. It's win or go home. Anything is possible. Anything is possible! Speaking of that, and I expect actually the Wizards to win tonight. I expect them to go to game seven. And it's very difficult to go against the home team in a game seven. So I like the Celtics to ultimately win this in seven. But let's, the 2008 Celtics, they got together. They had a reunion. KG, Big Baby, Perk, Rondo, Pierce. Talk about the good old days, you know, on Area 21. And, you know, obviously the biggest question was where was Ray Allen? Where was Ray Ray? And, you know, a lot of guys, they chimed in, and they were upset about the breakup. They were upset about Ray Allen not telling them. And I say, and you know, that happened in 2013. This is 2017. He actually signed in 2012, but it was the 2012-2013 season. But here's what I'll say. First and foremost, you're talking about five, almost five years ago. Like, you got to get over that. At some point, you got to get over it. You got to move forward. And you got to say, bygones be bygones. Let's move forward. I mean, it's, it's silly that these dudes are still holding on to this mess Five years ago. I mean, maybe Ray didn't feel like he was close to those guys. And being that he doesn't feel like he was close to those guys, he couldn't tell them how he felt or what he planned. Like, we all work with people. And we're not close with everybody we work with. That's just the reality of it. You're not close with everybody you work with. So you're not going to tell everybody that you work with what you plan on doing, your future plans. You're you're not going to tell somebody, look, hey, man, I'm I'm looking to get a new job. You're probably not going to do that. And and that's just maybe with some, but not with all. And so these dudes, Perk, KG, and all these guys, not too happy about that. You know, they they felt like, hey, Ray could have told us. But at the end of the day, this is Ray's business. This is Ray's life. Ray don't have to tell you anything. And maybe Ray didn't feel like he was that close to you guys to tell you what he planned on doing. Maybe Ray felt like he didn't have that relationship with you. I feel like at this point, you know, they're grown men. Ray's a grown man. Ray made a grown man decision. And you got to respect men who make grown men's decisions. And so Ray made the decision that he, you know, he felt Miami was the best situation for him. That's his situation. That's his choice. That's his call. We have to respect that. We may not agree with it. We may not like it. We may not understand it. But you got to respect that because that's Ray's life. That's Ray's choice. And that's Ray's decision. You guys made choices in your career. Ray made choice in his career. And at the end of the day, We look back on that situation. Boston was on the downswing. And obviously Miami, what they had with the big three was on the up and up. So from Ray Allen's point of view and Ray Allen's perspective, you could understand how he could say, you know what? Whatever's going on here, I see a better situation 
over there with the Miami Heat. It's just like if you're up working at Fox Sports 1 and you're at Fox Sports 1 and you're like, okay, I'm here, but I see a better situation over there at ESPN. Do I stay here in a situation that's, you know, on a team that I feel like their best days are behind them? Or do I go over to ESPN, to Miami, and, you know, with the network that's on and up and up, with the network that's putting up big-time ratings, with a network that's going to recognize and, and, and put my work out there? Or do I stay with FS1, take my chances because I'm being loyal to these guys, because these guys are my friends, you know, these guys are my brothers, I formed a brotherhood with them. Do I stay there? I think people, if they're close to you and if they have a relationship with you, would understand if you said, you know what, I got to do what I feel like is best for me. And they're saying he didn't tell them, but he doesn't have to tell you. He doesn't have to tell you. You're grown. Ray's grown. Perk, KG, Big Baby, Paul Pierce, Rondo. You guys are all grown men. Ray Allen's a grown man as well. And Ray Allen doesn't owe you an explanation on why or what he is doing. He doesn't owe you that. He doesn't have to give you that. You might want it. You might think you deserve it. But he doesn't owe you anything. And maybe Ray could have done it differently. But that's Ray's call. That's Ray's decision. That's Ray's choice. I feel like at this point, they need to move forward. They need to move on. And they need to just get over it. And, you know, this it's kind of petty. Ray Allen was a big part of that team. You don't, and let me repeat this, you don't win a title in 2008 without Ray Allen. You don't have the level of success that, the two, you know, the Boston Celtics big three had with Pierce, Ray Allen, and KG without Ray Allen. You don't. They got to work this out. These are grown men. That's it. That's bottom line. Perk said, Kendrick Perkins says, you know, it's on right now. No, it's on all of y'all to figure this thing out, make this thing work. It's on all of y'all. And somebody needs to biggest, be the bigger person or the biggest person and fix it. You know, and maybe it's just a situation where these, you know, Ray Allen and the rest of his teammates weren't really all that close, or at least he wasn't close on Area 21. Maybe he wasn't close with those five guys who appeared on Area 21. I don't know. I want to thank Marlon Gill for stopping by. You can listen to this show and other great shows, blogtalkradio.com slash pgant, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at GoForItGant. Hit us up on the website, GoForItGantSports.com, where we continue to talk sports and have fun doing it. For everybody here, go for it. We hope you have a great weekend. All the ladies, have a great Mother's Day. See you later. Take care.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.